This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kaylor at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. I am your host, Ben Kurkowski, and on Sunday, the Packers squeaked out a win against one of the worst teams in the NFL. It was a barn burner, final score 33-30, and I want to be positive. I'm going to try to be, but it is hard to be, but, but I will. I'm going to start with offensively. I was very impressed that the Packers put up 33 points in this game. Remember, remember they're without Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Dontavian Wicks left that game early due to injury, and yet we were still able to score consistently in this game. That's awesome. That's Matt LaFleur. That's Jordan Love coming together. Can still dial up an offense, even though this is not an ideal situation with the players that are surrounding Jordan Love. The top three receiving options by the end of this game were Romeo Dobbs, Bo Melton, and Tucker Craft, and they were all, all honestly pretty awesome. They stepped up. It was great to see. And just to know we have that kind of depth now is just exciting for the future of this franchise. Right now, the Packers truly are six deep at receiver, two deep at tight end. Every single one of those players are in their first or second years in the NFL. And so there's a real chance that several of those guys can develop, continue continue to grow into really special consistent players in the NFL and the biggest driver of our offense though on Sunday was Aaron Jones he finished the game with 127 rushing yards average six yards per carry without him out there we would have been toast it was obvious because the other 10 times we ran the ball with AJ Dillon and Patrick Taylor we averaged just 1.6 yards per carry right now the way Aaron Jones has run the football he's adding so much to this offense his value is clear as day Patrick Taylor did a great job at pass blocking when he was in the game. I'll give him credit for that. Um, uh, But running football, not so much. And A.J. Dillon should just not have even played. A.J. Dillon couldn't stiff arm because he has a broken thumb. He can only hold the ball with his left hand. There's no reason he should be out there. Let the hand heal for three weeks. Get him some fresh legs. So there's no reason. um, There's just no point of him being out there. He's not effective without a hand, um, especially your thumb. Uh, there's no reason why a healthy Emmanuel Wilson couldn't have taken those seven rush attempts where he could have actually made something possibly happen. That was just a really bad decision by this coaching staff to have him out there because in his role on this team, he was just was not valuable. And you know when he is on the field, he was never going to pass block, which gave the defense just clear-cut information about pl- what plays would be running, the Packers would be running offensively. So just not a smart move. He shouldn't be playing. There's no reason why you should be out there. This game was not what we were hoping for on Christmas Eve. I'm already starting to get negative um, that quick. I know that was fast, but it was just some bad coaching, uh, truly bad coaching on the defensive side of the football. Our Joe Barry-led defense allowed the Panthers offense to have the second highest success rate of any team in the NFL last week. This Panthers offense looked amazing. They could do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And I just don't understand some of the decision-making by Joe Barry himself. Why on two critical fourth downs is Rashawn Gary not in the game? Why on one of those is Preston Smith also not in this game? These are supposed to be your star defensive linemen, and they aren't even out there in your critical moments. That's just bad coaching. Yes, Rashawn Gary is coming off a major injury, but he's not even playing two-thirds of the total defensive snap, total defensive snaps. 
That's not okay. When over the course of the season, he's really the only player playing well in this entire defense, he should be out there. The Panthers came in this game going nine quarters in a row without scoring a touchdown and then scored four touchdowns on Sunday offensively. The Panthers have not even scored 20 points in the last eight games, and then they scored 30 points against us, their highest scoring game of the entire season. This defense for the Packers now has been record-setting terrible once again. Listen to this. Last year, the Vikings had one of the worst defenses in the NFL. That was widely agreed upon across NFL circles. Five different quarterbacks last year had their best games of the year when playing that Vikings defense. The Packers um, the Packers defense just matched that on Sunday. Five different QBs now have had their best games of the year against the Packers defense. Justin Herbert, Baker Mayfield, Tommy DeVito, Bryce Young, and Kirk Cousins. You do not need any more evidence than this to say Joe Barry's time in Green Bay is over. And it's to a point where the Packers should be firing this guy during the season. To me, it seems like the only reason this must not be happening is there's nobody under Joe Barry who can handle his responsibilities or has who has any different ideas than the one Barry has anyways, which means we're going to need a whole new brain trust for this defense next year. And hopefully it's a veteran, former head coach who you can trust on that side of the ball and then just leave them be. Dennis Allen, head coach of the Saints, currently could be a great choice, possibly making him your associate head coach as well. Who knows? But thankfully, there are going to be a lot of great options out there this offseason. It truly will just be about which of these guys is able to design a defense that fits around your players, that puts your guys in a position to win highlights their best skills, their best talents, is able to adapt to the ever-changing NFL to throw stuff at opposing offenses that makes things difficult if you don't have the personnel to play a proven type of defense, okay? If you if you have the guys, which I think the Packers could get the guys pretty quickly, I think they don't have to do something crazy like the Vikings. But if you don't have the guys, you can do what the Vikings did this year. Brian Flores, former head coach, came in here and said, wow, these guys are not that good. Lacked a ton of talent uh, when it came to their personnel. But what Brian Florence Flores did is he is running a very unique scheme that he never ran earlier in his career because most offenses don't know how to attack it. They put five guys on the line of scrimmage. They rushed six, six guys and three guys more than any other team in the NFL. And he's so good at disguising what is happening that it literally messes with the quarterback's mind. The quarterbacks never know if they have to get the ball out in two seconds or if they have five plus seconds back in the pocket to find the open man as the defense begins to break down. The QB is in an uncomfortable place the entire game because most of the time a QB has around three seconds to throw the ball in most game situations and four guys coming after him to account for. But um, when you play the Vikings, that's not the case. You could be facing six guys blitzing you or you could be facing three, okay? Just a totally different type of feel that quarterbacks aren't used to. And that kind of nuance, that kind of disguise is what makes this Vikings defense so effective over the course of the year. And this is what the Packers will have to face on Sunday night, New Year's Eve. The difficult part is most QBs will only face the Vikings once a year, and they don't know how to handle this type of game plan. But thankfully, the Packers have played the Vikings earlier this year and hopefully can learn from that game where we lost 24-10. to 10. That game was earlier on in the year. The Packers had many notable mistakes. If you remember, the first two and a half quarters was just the Packers having a huge penalty that either ended their own drive or allowed Minnesota's to continue theirs. Then there were several drops in the second half and a lot of receivers just unable to create separation. Uh, but a lot has changed for the Packers since then. So that game 
was mostly played by Kirk Cousins at quarterback, a much better quarterback than the one the Vikings will be trotting out on Sunday. The Packers really beat themselves in that first matchup. It's unlikely they will have that many penalties, that many drops that will derail our success in this game. And we now have shown to be able to have consistent offensive success and create a game plan for the guys we have out there. Um, and to create separation for our receivers, even if they aren't our top guys, like Bo Melton last week having a big game, um, even though he's one of the last receivers on our roster. Plus, the Vikings on defense will be without Byron Murphy, their highest-priced free agent quarterback for this game, um, and they already have a deficient group of corners, and the Vikings will also be without DJ Wanham on the defensive line, and they might even be without Mekhi Blackman, who is their best corner on the season, who was limited on Thursday after not practicing on Wednesday. Um, the Vikings, like we talked about, like to blitz, and when you blitz, you have to play man behind it. If the Vikings are without two of their top corners, that could be trouble. The Packers are going to have to be able to move the football through the air in this game, and that could be tricky depending on Jordan Love's comfortability. Everything that confused him in game one was because it was the post-snap change of look that messed with Jordan Love. Okay, right away it looks like something, and then as soon as the ball snapped, it looked like something else, and he couldn't diagnose it. He couldn't get through and figure out what was happening fast enough. And if you can get a young QB to have to think for an extra half a second, it's game over. And that's what happened in game one. Jordan Love has got to show up for this game and process the game quickly. The last two weeks, uh, though, this Vikings defense hasn't had the same success it had earlier on in the year um, because teams have found some, uh, some, some notable teams like the Bengals and the Lions had some really good success against this Vikings defense, even though over the course of the year that hasn't been the case. Um, the Bengals are kind of your Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay type of system. It's very similar to the Packers. The Lions actually stole a lot of designs from them, from that Bengals game, and used them in last week's game as well. So look for the Packers to do the same. There's a lot of dagger concepts, which the Packers and most of the NFL run a lot, that can really seem to be effective against this Vikings defense because they put five or six guys near the line of scrimmage. What that does is it opens up the middle of the Vikings defense because linebackers, safeties, defensive linemen who are dropping back in coverage have a lot more ground to cover when they're dropping. So attacking the middle of the field will be a big deal. That Dagger concept, basically the main purpose is to attack the middle of the field around 18 yards down the field, just behind the defense's linebacker defense's linebackers so you have a drag underneath from a speed receiver like a bow melton pulling a linebacker down and away from that spot and then you have another receiver like a dontavian wicks running vertically from the opposite slot pushing the safety back away from that middle area and then creating a pocket in the middle of the field for a guy like romeo dobbs a guy with good hands or wicks either one of those two guys type of player to come make a big catch in the middle of that defense look for the packers to attack the middle of the field use a lot of drags to force these linebackers to keep up with the guys like aaron jones bo melton in the open field force them to make a great tackle because eventually one of those two guys has the speed has the agility to make a guy miss and go make a big play after catch defensively the Packers like we talked about are currently performing like one of the worst defenses in football though and so this game is probably going to be fairly high scoring like the Vikings have had the last couple weeks um and now on Sunday, the Packers will be without their star cornerback, Jair Alexander. Alexander has been out most of the year, but he was suspended by the team for one game. Yes, by the team, not the NFL. This is a team decision. Jair played bad last week, 
He's still recovering from shoulder surgery, but this is supposed to be your stud cornerback who usually shows up big for these games, especially against big time receivers like Justin Jefferson, who he's actually quieted down for most for the most part in the past. Alexander was suspended suspended because he was not a team captain, but still by his own volition, went out on the field for the coin toss, took over, called the toss, and almost made one of the dumbest decisions in football. He said he wanted to be on defense. Thankfully, that's not an acceptable choice. There's three choices you get. You get kick, receive, or defer. And the ref said, oh, do you mean defer? Like defense, defer. And he's like, sure. Some people listening are probably like, what are you talking about? When you win the coin toss, you get three options. Like I just said, receive, kick, or defer. Defer means defer your choice to the start of the second half, or do you want to make your choice now? If you lose the coin toss, you get to decide what you want to do at the start of the second half. Both teams, no matter what, will get to decide what they want to do at some point, either at the start or of the game or at the start of the second half. And almost always, a team will say, if they win the coin toss, they'll say, receive, we'll take the ball first, or they'll say defer, meaning, hey, I want to make my decision at the start of the second half of what I want to do, which is they're going to say, hey, I want to receive the ball then at that point. But if someone were to say kick, we want to kick the ball, then the other team still has not ever made a choice what they want to do, and they'll get to make the choice at the start of the second half if they want to receive or kick. And obviously, they're going to say they want to receive the football. And so there's a technically, had Jair said, we want to play defense, so we will kick, then the Panthers could have received at the start of the game and at the start of the second half. Just an incredibly dumb move. This guy doesn't understand the rules of the game at all, and that's why he was not a captain, because you can't trust him to make a smart decision. But it wasn't just that. He never believes he did anything wrong. He believes he deserved to be captain because he's from Charlotte. He should have been out there. should have been in the middle of the field. Blames Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry for not knowing that. And then continues to talk about how he was right and it was okay in interviews, on social media, for calling the coin toss, even though he wasn't a captain. It was selfish of him to go out there. He was just uninformed. Let's just say that. I won't keep calling him uh, not smart. But he he was uninformed, which almost made a incredibly costly decision for this team. And then it was prideful of him to not own up to his mistakes and to the fact that he put himself before the team. And whether or not he thought Matt LaFleur should have made him a captain, Matt LaFleur could not have made him a captain because he wasn't even fully cleared yet. There's a chance he could have started warming up and then been hurt for that game. And then your captain is hurt. It doesn't even play. That doesn't make sense. Okay. So there's no reason to make him a captain. Okay. So Jair Alexander was suspended. It wasn't and this news could have came out on Monday. It could have came out on Tuesday, but it came out on Wednesday because I think the Packers gave Jair Alexander a chance to like make things right. And he just was so prideful. So up his butt. He's the man. I'm not just like not understanding why this is important and why this matters and why it's not okay for him to do that. And if you're going to have people like that in your locker room doing those types of things, if you let this slide one time, the whole team's going to do whatever they want, whenever they want. And that can't happen. And this is one of your veteran guys and you have to make a mess. You have to send a message to the team. Like this is not okay. Okay. And so we are going to have to find a way to shut down Justin Jefferson without our top quarterback on Sunday. And that's going to be difficult. Justin Jefferson, even with, uh, with the QB carousel, um, that the Vikings have undergone has been productive. He had 141 receiving yards on his own last week. We cannot let Justin Jefferson beat us in this game. If that means we have to double cover him, just do that because the Vikings are going to have a backup QB rookie Jaron Hall. He has not started yet this year. But the Vikings tried Josh Dobbs, tried Nick Mullins, are now in their fourth try at quarterback. And I can't 
imagine that's an inspiring choice by any means. And the Vikings have other tough injury news. TJ Hawkinson out for the year. First-round receiver Jordan Addison may not play in this game as well. This has been a bottom 10 rushing offense in the NFL. The Packers really have every reason to shut down this Vikings offense, but never say never because the Packers have struggled to stop anybody as of lately. But this Vikings team is truly crumbling. Plus, the Vikings are now playing with backup right tackle. So that's a huge hole for this uh, Rashawn Gary to take advantage of. And center Garrett Bradbury is playing. Kenny Clark has had the best games of his career against Bradbury. And we're going to need Kenny Clark again in this game. We're going to need Rashawn Gary big time in this game if we expect to win this game. Because our defense, we don't make stops. We we sometimes cause turnovers. And if we want to win this game, the Packers defense has got to force turnovers. That's how we beat good teams this year, like the Lions, like the Chiefs, is when we won the turnover battle. So while the Packers didn't play well last week, it was an ugly win against the worst team in football. A win is a win, and our playoff chances are still alive. And this game this week for the Packers and Vikings is a lose-in-your-out game for both teams. Whatever team loses this game, they will have a pretty much a 0% chance of making the playoffs as both teams will sit at 7-8, and eight, or as both teams currently sit at 7-8. and eight. So it's a win-or-go-home type of game. The Packers have a 29% chance of making the playoffs right now before this game. If we win, we have a 61% chance to make the playoffs, and which really will be riding on the Packers obviously winning in Week 18, and then the Rams or Seahawks losing just one game over the next two weeks in either Week 17 or Week 18. And thankfully... The Ravens beat the 49ers, so that means the 49ers will have a lot to play for in Week 18 because the number one seed will be on the line, which means they will be giving it up their all to beat the Rams in that game. The Seahawks also could lose, though. They played the Giants this week, who are feisty, and the Cardinals will have a chance because they have a guy in Kyler Murray who's capable of having an incredible game at any point. So there's still hope. This will be a big game. The Vikings are not playing well as of lately, or they've been playing well as of lately, even though they've endured so many injuries. Sadly, the Packers though I don't believe are the underdogs. The Packers should wipe the floor against this team, but we haven't seen the Packers do that in weeks. And the Packers really only have two complete wins the whole year, the Bears in week one and the Rams with their backup quarterback. Yikes. That's kind of scary, actually. Everyone should probably settle down before they overhype this team this offseason because this was an easy schedule, and yet the Packers still aren't even 500, and they've struggled to beat a lot of bad teams, and they lost to a lot of bad teams as well over the course of the season. So we probably shouldn't expect... Nothing less than a one-score game that is dramatic, but it um, will be fun to watch because of that, and I'm expecting the Packers to come out on top still 27-20. to 20. So that's all we have today, folks. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Give me your review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers Now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.